every now and then, usually like on a Saturday night, I'm in, a mood, I'm in a mood for a movie, but not just any movie, an action movie. You ever be in a mood for just an action movie? Like, I don't want blah, 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 a lot of dialogue and, you know, what I call chick flicks and, you know, romance and you try to figure out these dramas. I'm like, I don't want any of that. I want action. Like, give me action. You know, give, me, give me things of, of just like good versus evil and they're battling it out. And you use all the, you know, high-tech graphics and special effects, just action. Just action. You ever be in a mood for, for that? Maybe I'm talking to men here. You ever in a mood for that? Like, just action. Just give me action. Don't give me a lot of words. Don't give me a lot of dialogue. Give me action. Keep it short. Keep it to the point. And let's have action. Let's have action. That's the way that St. Mark's gospel is. It's a gospel of action. It's the shortest of the gospels, but it's a gospel that's of action. The, the word immediately is used over 40 times in the gospel of Mark. And the, Mark is, is his symbol is the lion because his gospel begins with John the Baptist crying out in the desert. It's like a lion roaring. It's like getting your attention. It's like a trumpet. Instead of, instead of telling you something, you know, like, like parents yelling at their children and get their attention, blow a trumpet. You'll get their attention. Because that's what happens at the end of time in the book of Revelation. The angels blow their trumpets to get the earth's attention. That'll get your attention. And so it's, so it's like this lion that's roaring in the desert to get our attention. And that's the beginning of the gospel. And Mark only has mainly two big dialogues in his gospel, but that's it. The rest is action. The rest is, it's an action-packed gospel. And St. Mark himself, he was a disciple of St. Paul, and then he became a disciple of St. Peter. And he traveled to Rome with St. Peter. And the fathers of the church say that he was kind of recollecting and taking down Peter's preaching. So a lot of it was actually Peter's preaching to the Romans. And then later he also met with St. Paul in Rome. And then after Peter and Paul had, were martyred in Rome, St. Mark went to Alexandria, Egypt. And St. Mark himself became a martyr and gave his life up for Christ in Alexandria, Egypt. That's a little, little bio of St. Mark himself. We don't know too much others. We know that he was, uh, he was Jewish, so sometimes he goes by the name of John but he went by the name, uh, his Gentile name, which was Mark. And he begins his gospel by saying, Jesus is the son of God. And, it, and it's a gospel of stories. It's a gospel where you see Jesus, he's working signs, he's working miracles, he's driving out demons. You know, there, there's a lot of action in the gospel. And it moves very quickly. The gospel moves very quickly and it has a high point of Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ. 
But Jesus keeps it secret because he doesn't want people to think that he's a political messiah, that he would be a spiritual messiah. And then it culminates in the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection and then his ascension into heaven. You have to think of the audience that Mark is trying to preach to. He's preaching to the Romans. If you know anything about the Roman Empire, yeah, there were philosophers in Rome. There were people who liked to dialogue. But Rome was, it was a military nation. They were strong. They had conquered the entire world, the, the Mediterranean world at that time as we knew it. They had conquered the world. They were strong. The Roman army was big. And, and many Romans, they didn't want words. They wanted action. They wanted action. That's why the Romans love the gladiatorial contests. You know about, you probably have seen or heard about the gladiators. And a lot of the gladiators were slaves that were taken from different provinces in the Roman Empire. And it was two strong men put in the arena together to battle it out. And they say that the Romans love blood. They love blood. Whether for good or ill, they love blood. And we might think, oh, we're such a sophisticated society. Oh, we, we don't like that. Baloney. How many people watch the MMA fighting? I think it's called MMA or MMF or something like that. They're battling it out in the arena, and there's blood. Or two boxers, or two wrestlers in the arena. There is something within us that likes action, that likes sport. And we love it, and we may not say this externally, but I'm going to say it in my homily, because we kind of love it when I'm thinking of NHL hockey because I've been watching hockey every night. I love hockey. You kind of love it when it's the Stanley Cup Finals, it's Game 7, it's overtime, and there's a player on a team that, you know, he's all busted up, he's got stitches, he's bleeding, he's got teeth missing, and he scores the winning goal in the Stanley Cup Finals. And then at the end, you know, you could tell he's been through a contest. He's got teeth missing. He's got blood. He's got bruises. And he holds up the Stanley Cup. And people are cheering. And it's like a great victory because he worked for it. He earned it. And the fans are cheering. And that's kind of like the gospel of Mark. It's kind of like it, it appeals to that certain audience that likes action that likes a hero that gives himself for another and is all bloodied and bruised at the end and holds up the trophy and says, I've obtained the victory. And this is the audience that St. Mark is writing to. And if you think of, of Jesus, it's like St. Mark, if you want to say, portrays Jesus maybe as one of these gladiators. And he tells you at the beginning of of his gospel, Jesus is the son of God. He's a God. 
He's, he's one, you know, the Romans had many gods. He's one of the gods who has come down to the earth, but is a human being. But people don't recognize his divinity. He's one of, to a Roman, he's one of the gods. But to Mark, he is the son of God. And he's come down into the arena. And the arena is the earth. The arena or the Colosseum or the amphitheater. It's all the same thing. And he's come down and he's in the middle. And Christ has all this power. And he's overthrowing demons and he's working miracles in there. And then he allows himself not just to be killed, but to be tortured, to be mocked, to be laughed at. He allows his flesh to be torn from his body and the scourging. He, he allows a crown of thorns on his head. He allows himself to be dragged around the arena, to be seen as a fool, to be seen as someone who's not strong, as someone who's weak, so that the, the fans that are around the arena mock him and laugh at him. And then finally, they just don't kill him, but they torture him in the arena. And they put nails through his hands and through his feet. And they hang him on a cross and they torture him where he's agonizing in pain on the cross. And then he dies. And he's seen as the one in the arena, the gladiator who's defeated in the arena, who has, who has died. They, they, even, even the emperor gives him one of these, you know, kill him. And so he dies in the arena. And it seemed like all of his enemies rejoice and have the victory over him. And this is Mark's gospel. Until when Jesus is dead in the arena for three days, all of a sudden he rises. He's alive. He's not dead. He arises and he conquers death itself. He conquers Satan. He conquers sin. And his enemies are surprised because he is really the victor. It wasn't by conquering his opponents that he obtained the victory. It was by dying, by surrendering himself. That, that's the way that he obtained the victory. And when he rises from the dead, he shows his battle scars, his battle wounds, his, and his hands and his feet and his side. Much as someone who's in a contest or in a game where they have the battle scars and they show it to the fans. And when Christ rises from the dead, he holds the trophy up. He holds the trophy up, his victory, his resurrection. And not only does he hold the trophy up through his resurrection, but at the end of Mark's gospel, they see that even though Mark said he was the son of God, no one knew it. 
And he showed himself as the son of man through the gospel, especially through his crucifixion, his death, his passion. But at the end of the gospel, he shows himself really as the son of God by rising from the dead and then ascending back into heaven. And so to a Roman to see that this person who Mark said is the son of God, to see him at the end of the gospel, ascending into heaven with the trophy in his hand, back to the gods, they would recognize he is a god. He is not just a god, he is the son of God. And he is the one who I want to follow. And there were many Romans that were converted, even of the high class. We know that because of the Roman persecution against the Christians, Nero, and then Domitian, and then several other persecutions. That there were many Romans through Peter's preaching, Paul's preaching, and others who accepted the faith. And I think Mark's gospel was probably very inspirational for Romans that liked action. and <laughs> didn't like a lot of philosophers' words, but liked a lot of action. And they probably said, this is someone who I can follow. This is someone who just doesn't talk, but who shows me how to live, who shows me what it's like to be a true gladiator in the arena and to die to myself in order to obtain the victory of salvation. This is someone I want to follow. A Roman soldier would look at that and be inspired by Jesus by his, his passion, his agony and death, and his resurrection and ascension. That's something that the Romans would hold on to. A Roman soldier, someone who's strong, who's not weak, someone who can conquer. Remember, these were the conquerors of the world. And that's Mark's gospel. It's an action gospel. It's one that's right to the point. So lest I give you more words in this gospel and bore you, follow Mark's gospel. As St. Anthony of Padua says, action, not words. Sometimes we can show our love for Christ more by our actions than by our words. Ask for God's grace to help you to follow Christ along his passion, death, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you. And God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. 
If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.